Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't they do an awesome, awesome job? I tell you what, they did a great, great job. You've heard me say about 101 times that the preaching never gets as good as the singing here. We're going to go somewhere. I want to pick up where we left off uh, this morning, but take a kind of a right turn here, talking about the Holy Spirit. But I want to just read, while we're standing here, a portion from Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Say that with me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David is concerned about the presence of the Holy Spirit in Psalm 51. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our gathering. Speak to us through your word tonight. And Lord, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so very much. I'd like to go back to a a verse that we read this morning in John 14. This is uh, verses 15 through 18. Jesus is telling his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Now, this morning I underlined uh, the passage, or the part of the passage, where it says he will dwell with you and will be in you. Out of the Old Testament covenant, the Holy Spirit was with them. But the Holy Spirit was not in them like under the new covenant. That's why David is concerned. But also another concern is David has horribly fallen into sin in in Psalm 51. Now in Psalm 51 he writes this psalm because he has fell into sin with Bathsheba and murdered her husband. How many of you remember the story? So he's out on the veranda, he's out on the balcony. And he should have been with his men fighting in the war, but he stayed behind. Whenever we're not at the place we should be, we get into trouble. So he should have been with his men leading them into the battle, but he stayed behind. So when he stayed behind, he goes out on the balcony. He looks across the rooftops of Jerusalem. He sees Bathsheba bathing. And why she doesn't have something up, that's a whole nother story. I don't know. But nevertheless, he pursues her, uh, you know, lust and adultery and all the things that happened there. Most of you know, we're not going to get into that. But he had her husband murdered. And so when he came to himself and realized the atrocity that he did, he wrote Psalm 51, and we read there in the portion of that, he says, don't cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Why is David concerned about this? Well, I want to take you back and give you a little history of why I think he's concerned, because he's already seen a pattern of this happen, and he doesn't want it to happen to him. Okay, listen to me. 1 Samuel chapter 10, if you'd like to turn there, this is the calling and the anointing of Saul, who is the first king of Israel. Now, David is going to follow Saul, but this is something that David saw and experienced watching Saul's life. 
Now Samuel, who is coming to Saul to anoint the very first king, and of course Samuel did not want to anoint a king because uh, uh, God wanted Israel to be a holy uh, theocracy where he was the king. How many of you know God is the king? But they wanted to be like everybody else, make us a king so we can be like the other nations. So uh, the Lord gave in to them. How many of you know sometimes the Lord will just give us our way? When it's not the right way, but he'll just give us our way. So he says, okay, give them a king. They want a king. So he, he's uh, going to anoint a new king, which is Saul. And Saul is a little reluctant. How will he know that God has chosen him, even though Samuel is going to anoint him? Look at verse uh, number 6, 1 Samuel chapter 10. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Now notice this, come upon you. It didn't say permanently dwell within you, but what? Come upon you. So the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now, he's talking about going with the prophets, and you're going to be able to prophesy with the prophets. Now, verse 10, when he came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. So here he is, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and he prophesies with the prophets. Now, in chapter 11, verse 6 when the Ammonites are trying to take the city of Jabesh-Gilead, they're coming to the inhabitants and saying, we're going to take your city. We want you to make a league with us, make a, a treaty with us. And one of the conditions of the treaty was put out their right eye. Now, that's a horrible treaty. Why would the enemy want to do that? Because you could not rise up to combat them because your vision now has changed. So now when Saul hears this, he goes and gets a group of men. But notice in verse 6, Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. So he goes out and he takes care of that. In every one of those verses, the Bible says, And the Spirit of God, or the Spirit of the Lord, came upon him. Do you see it? Now, I would love to tell you tonight that Saul did very well after that. But he did not do very well after that, did he? When he is in a situation in his life where he rejects the leadership of God, does not listen to the prophet of God, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit or distressing spirit came upon Saul. How many of you remember that? So here he is, an evil spirit has come upon him and the Spirit of God has departed from Saul. Now David has seen this. He has witnessed this. And now when David falls, guess what he doesn't want to happen? He does not want to happen to him what's happened to Saul. So in Psalm 51, he says, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me because I saw what happened to Saul. Now, the Lord did not take his Holy Spirit from him. The Spirit of God continued to come upon David. He sang, he wrote, he warred, he prophesied. He did all of those things because he went into repentance and humbleness before Almighty God. And Saul did not. How many of you know Saul went out and he began to consult witches? And he went deeper and deeper and deeper into a place that he should not have gone. So I said all that to say this. In the Old Testament, the Bible does tell us that the Holy Spirit moved upon men, but the Holy Spirit also departed from men 
But when Jesus spoke in John 14, he says, now you already know he abides with you. But notice what he said, but he shall be what? In you. So under the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit abode with them, but he wasn't in them like under the New Covenant. How many of you understand what I'm saying? This is a, a new covenant where the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. Isaiah chapter 32, this is the reign of righteousness, talking about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice. Do you realize that every king in the northern kingdom was a horrible king? They didn't have any good kings. Now, under Judah, they did have a few good kings, but the majority of the kings listed in the Bible had huge flaws. But Isaiah prophesied by the Spirit of the Lord, he said, but a king's coming, and he's going to rule in righteousness, and there's going to be princes that are going to rule in righteousness. There's going to be leaders that are going to be raised up, and they're going to rule in the right way. When you drop down to verse 15, he says, until the Spirit is poured out on us from on high. Now the Spirit of the Lord abode with them, but Joel and Isaiah and different ones looked to the day that the Holy Spirit wouldn't just be abiding with them, but being poured out on them and being in them. Can I hear an amen? It changed the whole dynamics of leadership and the whole dynamics of service, the way the Holy Spirit began to deal with man after Jesus Christ ascended and the Holy Spirit came and indwelt believers. Now, I want to give you just about three or four things very quickly tonight. I think it's worth you coming. So uh, if you have a pencil and paper, write it down. The Holy Spirit was working in the Old, Old Covenant, Old Testament, empowering people for artistic work and construction. There was empowered by the Spirit artistic work and construction. If God can do this under the Old Covenant when the Holy Spirit just abode with them and wasn't in them like the New Covenant, how much more can you and I be empowered and led by the Holy Spirit under a New Covenant? Do you remember what the Bible says about the Old Covenant? The Old Covenant was based on the blood of bulls and goats and, and uh, you know, turtle doves. And, and we, we had promises and we had some good things under that Old Covenant. And then when it gets to the New Covenant, you remember what the Bible says? How much more? How much better is this New Covenant based on better blood and better promises? So the blood that we have under this covenant is not bulls and goats and lambs. How many of you know the blood of this covenant is the blood of Jesus Christ? So how much more, better, how much better is this than that? But that was pretty good. So look at this, Exodus 28. Now Moses is getting ready to start the priesthood, build the tabernacle in the wilderness. And this is what is said, Exodus 28. Now take Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel that he may minister to me as a priest. Aaron and his sons Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And now let me tell you, that's a mouthful of words right there. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory, for beauty. And you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he minister to me as a priest. In chapter 31, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, 
the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work gold, silver, bronze, cutting jewels for setting, carving wood, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I've appointed with him, and we have some other names here from the tribe of Dan, to put wisdom in their hearts, gifted artisans, that they may make all that I've commanded you the tabernacle of the meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that's on it, the furniture, and he goes on and on. Now, these guys are gifted artists. Very gifted. But what God's wanting them to do is to build something that is amazing. They're going to build what we know as the ark of the covenant. They're going to build the aspect furniture and the things that God has given Moses in their worship. Folks, can you imagine walking into Solomon's temple, one of the wonders of the ancient world? Can you imagine going in to the, the tabernacle in the wilderness of all the things that were there that the kind of glory of God came down and dwelt in? These guys were good, but let me say this, they weren't that good. This is what God is saying. I want you to build something that is beyond your ability. I want you to build something that's beyond your ability. So for you to do what I'm asking you to do, my spirit has to come on you to be able to make the garments for Aaron, to make the Ark of the Covenant, all the furniture, all the things I'm asking you to do. He said here, I will empower you by my spirit to do what I'm asking you to do. And he did it under the old covenant. How much more can you do what God's asking you to do under this covenant? Because we just don't have the Holy Spirit abiding with us. My friends, today we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Wow! These men began to fashion things that were absolutely amazing. And God said, I don't care how good you are, you're not that good. But I think it's a little intimidating when God says, I want you to do a piece for me. Make me this or make me that. Now, you're not just doing it for anybody. How many of you know you're doing it for God? And you're going to say, okay, God, what do you think about this? And the Lord's going to say, uh, that's a three. You're not that good. But I'm going to make you that good because I'm going to give you my spirit so you can, you can do this. Now, now here is probably the most famous verse that you're familiar with. This is Zechariah 4 and 6. Remember, Solomon's temple is destroyed by the uh, Assyrians and Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar. And so they're without a temple. I mean, that temple has been flattened. And then the Lord is going to raise up a group of people and bring them back out of captivity after 70 years and going to bring them back to Jerusalem. And he is going to have them rebuild the temple. There's a trifecta going on here. Nehemiah comes back to build the walls, the gates, and the city. Ezra comes back to restore the priesthood and worship. And there's a guy by the name of Zerubbabel. Everybody say Zerubbabel. It kind of just rolls off my tongue when I say that. Zerubbabel. So this is what the Lord says. Okay, Ezra, you go back and you, you get the priests going. You, you set up worship. Okay. Nehemiah, I want you to go back and rebuild the walls in the city. Now, Zerubbabel, I want you to rebuild the temple. Guys, he's going to try to rebuild Solomon's temple. 
This is kind of like Joshua following Moses, right? Well, I, you know, I, whoa, 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 hold on here. You want me to go back and rebuild the temple when this temple that was built is one of the wonders of the ancient world? Listen to what the Lord said to him. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord, it's Zerubbabel. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Zerubbabel, you're not that good. I know you can't do this without me, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my spirit to pull this off. Guys, you cannot make these garments like I want it by yourself, but I'm going to give you my spirit to make these garments. You can't fashion this tabernacle without my help. Zerubbabel, you can't rebuild this temple and this place of worship without my help. And what God says in every one of these areas, I will help you pull this off by the power of my spirit. And they did. They did. Let's fast forward to you. Have you ever felt like God asked you to do something you couldn't do? Or you felt inadequate? Or you got up here on the platform and you looked at all of you and you went, oh wow. They don't look very happy. They're not responding. They look like they've just been baptized in persimmon juice. Some of you don't even know what that means. How about sour pickle juice or something? So, you know, or you go out here and the Lord asks you to go visit someone or to witness to someone or uh, he asks you to go, you know, teach a class or sing a song or he asks you to go do whatever. And you're saying, man, I just feel inadequate. I just feel like I can't do that. But here, here's the history of God. God knows you can't fully do what he's asking you to do by yourself. So this is what he does. And he did it in the old covenant. How much more will he do it in the new covenant? He said, you can't do this by yourself. I'm going to help you make the garments. I'm going to give you the wisdom and the skill and the wherewithal to make the tabernacle and the temple. And Zerubbabel, you can do this by my spirit, saith the Lord. So if he did it under the old covenant, how much more will he do it under the new covenant? Here's another one. How about empowerment for warfare? Have you ever felt like you've been up in a battle? Or you've been into a fight? Or you're facing something and you feel like you just can't find the breakthrough for it? Or the enemy is so big, this is mounted up so high, I, I, I don't feel like I can get through? This is Judges chapter 6, verse 34. A fellow by the name of Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. You remember Gideon? But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now here it is. Didn't always abide with him, but did what? Came upon him. So the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet. And everybody who's gathered with him, what do they do? 300 attack an army that is not even numbered. Let me tell you the number we have. They cover the ground like grasshoppers. You know what that means? That's a lot of folk. So here the army is that's had them in captivity for at least seven years and they're trying to break out of the grip of the enemy and Gideon starts with a, a pretty big number of men and the Lord begins to reduce it, reduce it, reduce it. And then he says, okay, time to go attack them. Here's how Gideon got it done. Verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. So Gideon 
felt inadequate, and he told God that. He says, you keep reducing this down. I don't have enough to begin with. Now you've reduced me down to 300. Now, I think this is what the Lord is saying. If you go out with this group and you win, you're going to think you did it on your own. But I'm going to make sure you know you didn't do this on your own. You knew that it had to be me to get this accomplished. So he goes out, and guess what happened? They won the victory. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to win the victory. Here's another guy. How about Samson? Samson. Samson was a warring machine. God raised him up to deliver his people from the Philistines. That was basically his purpose in life. Now, most of you know, whenever I teach on Samson, I think of Sylvester Stallone. Yo, Delilah. So, this guy has this huge struggle with operating in the flesh and operating in the spirit. We still have that struggle today. If there's anybody in the Old Testament that epitomizes the struggle between the flesh and the spirit, Samson does it. Look with me in Judges chapter 13. That's where his story is found. He is commissioned basically from birth. He has a call of God on his life from birth. And when he comes on the scene, verse 25, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. As he grew up, guess what happened? He began to feel the Spirit of the Lord move upon him. Now, I would like to tell you the Spirit of the Lord abode with him all the time, but that's not what the Scripture says. Now, Jesus said in John 14, said, He shall abide with you, but he shall be in you. Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord abode with them. Sometimes the Spirit of the Lord left them. Did with Saul. And David prayed, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, in Judges 14, verse 6, And the Spirit of the Lord came mildly upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his mother or father what he had done. So, when a lion comes out to attack Samson, he takes the lion with his bare hands and just rips him apart. Now, that's a bad dude. But let me tell you how he did it. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, but didn't just come upon him. But notice what it says, came mildly upon him. Look at verse number 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mildly on him, and he went down to Eshkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. His anger was so aroused, he went back to his father's house. Now, he was always doing something spectacular, but he only did it when the Spirit of the Lord moved on him. Do you realize that one time when they were trying to trap him, he went to the city and pulled up the gates and the post up from the city gates and took them up off of the wall of the city and went up to a hill and just threw them off. Now, folks, that's a bad dude. When you have these massive gates who are set in huge posts and pillars that can go up and back up to them and literally rip them out of the ground and walk off with them and then throw them aside, you would have been amazed. How did he do that? The Spirit of the Lord mildly came upon him. Chapter 15, verse 14. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. 
The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burnt with fire, and its bonds broke loose from his hands. So they tried to, to tie him up, and when they were trying to make fun of him, he just, boom, he just, he's breaking. Now, he, he did that because the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him. But you know what? He operated in the flesh so much, there was a time when the Philistines fell upon him, and he got up and he thought the Spirit of the Lord was going to move on him like he had always moved on him. And guess what happened? Nothing. 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 He became just as weak as everybody else. But the reason he could do what he did is because the Spirit of the Lord moved mildly upon him. But listen, he operated in the flesh so much, the Spirit of the Lord departed. Now here's the good news about Samson. After they put his eyes out, they mock him. They put him grinding like an animal. You ever seen a grinding wheel where they'd hook up a, a, a mule or a horse or an oxen and just go in circles turning the grinding wheel? There's Samson out there. Can't see. He, he's pushing the grinding wheel around. Here's great Samson, the great deliverer of Israel. Now he's reduced to this. And then one day in the temple of Dagon, they're sporting, they're drinking, they're having a party. And they said, let's, let's go get that big warrior of Israel. Let, let, let's make some sport of him. And a, and a servant brings in Samson. And you know the story. Samson now is humbled. He's contrite. He's repented. And I think his hair started growing again. Don't you? I think his hair started growing again. And he said to that servant, he said, where are the big massive pillars that hold this place up? He said, take me over there and stand me by those. And I, I can picture Samson kind of just doing some feeling, don't you? He, he's kind of doing a little feeling. And he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, would you move on me again? Wow. It's the mercy of God. It's the grace of God. Lord, would you move on me again? Would your spirit move on me again? And you know what he did? He, he literally pushed those pillars apart. And he brought, you're talking about somebody bringing the house down. He brought the entire house down. He killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. But the reason he could do it is because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Bible tells us that you are, you are armored with spiritual warfare. And you have the sword of the Spirit. Just as Samson, just as Gideon was used to engage in warfare with the enemy, if, if they could do that by the Spirit of the Lord under the old covenant, how much more can you and I do that under the new covenant? So when you come up against your obstacle, when you come against the enemy, I'm telling you, rise up in the Spirit of God because God can help you and I overcome every enemy in our life. Do you know David gave us this psalm and in this, he said, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Now, that's pretty cocky, isn't it? How did David do what David did? Same way. He realized the Spirit of the Lord's on me. That's why in Psalm 51, he said, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me, because if you do, I can't do what I'm called to do. And you can't do what you're called to do. But here's the good news. You can do what you're called to do by the Spirit of the Lord. 
So I want to encourage you. I'm calling you out tonight. Whether you're building, you're an artist, you're a musician, or whatever you're doing, if you're a prayer warrior, you can do it because the Spirit of Almighty God is not just abiding with you. He is in you. Let, let's wrap this up. You're empowered to proclaim the Word of God. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 20. Nehemiah says, You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manner from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Nehemiah is rehearsing the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, coming to Canaan. And he says, You instructed them by your spirit. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 30. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit in your prophets. Yet they would not listen, therefore you gave them to the hand of the peoples of the lands. So what Nehemiah does says two times, he says, you proclaim to them by your spirit. Now, this is what I know. We'll get into this on a Sunday morning later. How many of you believe the Holy Spirit can speak? Now I know he can speak because the Bible says the Holy Spirit said. But the Holy Spirit mainly speaks through our mouths. And through the mouth of the prophets. Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 5. Then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said to me, Speak, thus saith the Lord. Thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. So notice what Ezekiel says. He says, The Spirit of the Lord, what? Fell upon me. So when the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophets, guess what they did? They spoke what the Spirit gave them to speak. Thus saith the Lord. Now, many of you know that under that old covenant, and still the same true today, that a lot of people says, thus saith the Lord, but how many of you know the Lord never said? And so he, he, he addressed that. He said, you know, sometimes people say, this is what God is saying, and God says, I didn't say that at all. But the fact remains that God would move upon the prophets by his spirit, and they would speak. Now, Peter tells us this, 2 Peter chapter 1, go down to verse 19. Now, Peter talks about being on the Mount of Transfiguration. He talks about being with Jesus, and he shares with those folks in the letter and with us today the words and the happenings of what Jesus did and what Jesus said. But then he does something kind of peculiar to me. He says, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. Now, he goes back and begins to pick up the things that were spoken under the Old Covenant, but he makes us really realize the veracity of prophecy by how they prophesied. He says, we have a prophetic word confirmed, a more sure word of prophecy, which you that dwell need to take heed to as a light that shines into a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved on or moved by the Holy Spirit. So how did they prophesy? How did we get the word of God to us today? How do we receive the word of God? Holy men of old were moved on and moved by the Holy Spirit and they began to speak. They proclaimed, matter of fact, if you take your Bible and you go to Malachi and you go to Matthew, there is much more on your left than your right. True? 
Now, we have a huge volume here of God's word. And how did we get that word? Well, Peter told us. That word was received to us through the prophets as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. Now, if they could proclaim the word of God by the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, how much more can you and I proclaim the word of God by the indwelling spirit within us? Now, many times they had to go back and read it. They had to go back and look at it. They had to go back and memorize it, rehearse it. But Ezekiel said, he said, I'm going to take my law and my word off of the stony heart and I'm going to put it in hearts of flesh. So therefore, by my spirit, you're going to be able to proclaim my word because my word's going to be in you. Isn't that awesome? So when you witness to that friend or that neighbor or you're getting up to teach or to preach or to sing or, or whatever you're doing, it makes no difference from artistic work to work to warfare, to proclamation, guess what I know? Under the old covenant, the Spirit of Almighty God helped every one of those people. The Holy Spirit moved on them and helped them accomplish everything they were asked to do. And now here you and I are, about 2,000 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, about 2,000 years after the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, and now you and I have this wonderful promise, this wonderful infilling of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I want to assure you tonight that whether you're building a business, whether you are constructing something, whatever we're trying to do, the Spirit of Almighty God is not just flipping in and out in your life. The Holy Spirit has filled your life and empowered you to do whatever you have been asked to do. Because this is what your natural man will do, and this is what my natural man does. I don't know if I can do that. This is bigger than me. This is beyond me. I don't know if I can accomplish that. That's way too much for me. And you know what God would say? I know that. You need help. You need a helper. You need a comforter. You need some power because you can't pull this off on your own. So I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit so you can do what I ask you to do. And guess what? That's the time and the covenant that we live in right now today. We're not waiting for this to happen. It's happening right now. So whatever God has called us to do here in this church... Guess what? He would have never called us to do it if we couldn't do it by his spirit. You know, next week, we're having a conference here. It's the IMA conference. I cannot think of any church in that organization in our area that is in a smaller community than us. I cannot think of any church in that organization of that district that's in a smaller community than us. We have the largest church in that fellowship. And it's not because you're so good looking or I'm so smart 
or we're so good, or we're better than anybody else. Let me tell you what it comes down to. We have believed by faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do something where we're at. We believe that. We believe by faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do something where we're at. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. So whether you're a Gideon or a Samson, or you're crafting, or you're warring, or you're proclaiming, I'm here to tell you, God has got this. You don't, and I don't, but he's got it. But he's looking for some people to do it through. He's looking at a Gideon, and a Samson, and a David, and a you and a me, to pull this off. And if they could do it when the Spirit was only abiding with them, goodness gracious, surely we can do it if the Spirit is indwelling us. Stand with me, I'm done. I may start preaching here again. Join with me around this front. We're going to pray. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.